2 Corinthians 5, verse 13. 2 Corinthians 5, 13. Who's done with school? Like you're done, you're not going back, you're finished for the summer. You're done and not going back to high school. You're done. We just stand up for him. I just want to see who I'm talking to today. You are done. You're, you're, hold on, stay standing up for a second. I just want to see what I'm looking at here. See what's going on. Hey, hey, congratulations, guys. You did it. Well done. Hopefully, hopefully. Give it up for these graduates, soon to be. I see you. I see you in the back. Awesome. Don't screw it up when you're walking across the stage by doing something dumb, Chase. That wouldn't be a good idea. How many of you guys are done with junior high? You're like, I'm out. Stand up. Eight, soon to be freshmen. Soon to be freshmen. Stand up. Stand up. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Sit down. Thank you for being here. What, all, what was that? Good job. Well done. I mean, it's an exciting time. Landon and I were talking today. We're like, man, how cool would it be to go back to high school on the last day of school? That would be so fun, for real. Like, that would be, oh, there he is right there. Landon, you with me? I mean, that would be so fun. Go back and, I don't know, sign people's yearbooks. Y'all even do that anymore? Yearbooks, y'all into that? Y'all remember what you just, y'all, y'all, <laughs> you say, hey, you want to sign my yearbook? Y'all, no one's with me there. Four people. Nobody. Nobody. All right. Great. Junior high students, y'all do yearbooks? Great, great, great. Last day of school. Like the two best days of the year for school are the first day and the last day. I don't care what you think. Those are my two favorite days of school. All the rest, all right, like horrible, horrible. Some of y'all have a half day tomorrow. Half day. You like watch movies and stuff. At least that's what we did back in the, back in the 90s. All right. How many of y'all are here and you have an exam tomorrow and you're stressed out? That's what I'm talking about. Good job. You're here and you got school tomorrow and you're like, I got a test. I haven't even studied, but I need some Jesus, so I'm going to church. You're probably going to fail. Just trying to keep you positive. If you pass, listen, listen, I'm going to help you all out. Expect to fail. And then when you pass, you're like, yeah. Okay. You're looking at a success story of that life. Okay. I sit down to a test. It's over. Then you get a D, you're like, yes. Success. I don't know if D is passing. It was for me. <laughs> That's the bonus of not growing up with parents. I raised myself and a D was great for me. Let's talk about the Bible. I'm excited that school is almost over. That means we get to hang out like every day. That's awesome. Graduates. 
2 Corinthians 5.13, today we're starting a little series that I've just titled Awakening, an awakening. And there's one way that we can have an awakening in the first part of this series, it's a two-part series, this week and next week, is the first thing is we got to know him. We have to know him. The girl's like, oh, I know him. Shoot, I know him. No, we're not talking about him. We're talking about him, capital H. I am. Do you know him? To have a true awakening in your life or anybody else, you've got to know him. So First Corinthians or Second Corinthians five says this, verse thirteen. If we are out of our mind, out of our mind. Is that a song or something? I mean, I don't. I heard it was a song. Out of something. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. If we're out of our mind, you ever, there's people that are just out of their mind for certain things. So I want to show you some pictures of, uh, of, of some people that are out of their mind. Here's a few. That guy. That's Seth Phipps at a Carolina Panthers game. Right there. <laughs> He's out of his mind for Cam Newton or whoever 55 is. All right, next one. <laughs> That's uh, Bennett Holloway right there. Loud and proud, the 12th man or woman or thing. Whatever. Jenner. Next thing. <laughs> that. That person loves hunting. That is weird. Like if I saw that in my backyard, I'd shoot it. <laughs> then I'd call my boy Gerald be like, I got one. I don't know what it is. It's got, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Next thing, thing. Yeah! Go, I'm guessing that's Duke. Go Duke. All right. Out of his mind right there. Go ahead. Look at, hold on, hold on. Stay there for a second. Look at, the, look at the person to, let's see, that person right there. They're like, uh, and then look at the girl in the back right just staring at him like, that guy is so out of his mind. All right, next one. <laughs> what is that? What is, that's an elephant. Hi. A giraffe, a dog, and a... An elephant. <laughs> oh, if I saw that in the mall, I, for real, I'd make fun of them. Like there's a dog on your head. Next picture. <laughs> that's that's me. That's just me with. Uh, that's me. Next one. What's going on here? He's out of his mind. He's got his parents with him. Right there. All right. All right, next one. Next one. It's a Vikings fan, which is never good. Okay. That's what <laughs> Adrian Peterson, no. Gone. Next one. There you go. That's it. Out of your mind. And, and you guys have done things. Here's a few pictures of you guys. Just kidding. I don't have that. But <laughs> I should have. I'm always better thinking up here than I am before. Right here, when it says, 
when it says we are out of our mind, that literally means, that's Paul right there. And he, he's saying that a lot of people have made fun of him for loving Jesus, saying that he is out of his mind. That word out of your mind right there is actually, uh, when you look at it and break it down a little deeper, it's, it's whenever someone starts talking to themselves. That's how crazy that word is right there. It's like so much so that you're talking to yourself over and over and over. So, you know, you're just sitting there like, oh, man, I'm so excited about today. I can't wait to see today. Oh, it's going to be great. Yeah, how you doing? I'm good. So, thanks. I'm so excited about today. I am just, yes, I've got a test tomorrow. Wow, okay, what's going on? If you ever see someone like that, you're like, that person's crazy. They're out of their mind. And what Paul is saying right here is if I am crazy, as you say I'm crazy, it is because I have Jesus Christ and I'm out of my mind for him. People have told me, Michael, you're a moron for being in the ministry. Why would you do that? Why would you, why would you want to be in ministry? I mean, that just doesn't make sense. What are you doing? You could, you could make so much more money doing this. You could do this. You could do this. You, but why are you want, you're, you're crazy for wanting to do ministry. People have actually told me, why, you are seriously a moron for worshiping God. Like, how do you seriously worship something you can't see? How do you tell people about something they can't see? You are crazy for that. And I'm like, I know. Yeah, I am. I'm crazy. Because he changed my life. I'm crazy about it. Are you out of your mind for Jesus Christ? When someone comes up to you and they're talking, you're hanging out with you and they see you, what do they say you are out of your mind about? What are you out of your mind about? Think about that for a second. And maybe it is Jesus. Some of you are seriously out of your mind for Christ. It's very obvious and I love it. It's awesome. But some of us are out of our mind for things that don't matter. And Paul is saying, look, if I want to be out of my mind, it is for God and God alone and that's it and that's all that matters. And people are going to tell you you're crazy. And you maybe, most of you probably ever had this before. You've already had it. That someone come to you and say, hey, I'm, you're seriously an idiot for being a Christian. It doesn't, it's, what are you doing? You're out of your mind. Verse 14. For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. Paul is saying right here, if we're going to know him, we've got to be able to have and understand that Christ's love is all that matters. It pushes us. It makes us better. That's what that word right there, Christ's love compels us. It pushes us. His love, his love that is talking about right there is love that is shown on the cross. When God shows love, it is the cross. And Jesus Christ dying on that cross, the ultimate sacrifice of love. And that love, Christians, should compel you. That love should compel you, should push you. Does it push you? Because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. That, that word love is such a word that we throw around and we use a lot. But for me growing up, this right here, the love of Christ, was seriously the only thing that I had. And if you're talking right now to somebody else, I need you to shut your mouth. Thank you. It would be great. 
Christ's love was all that I had growing up. It's the only serious love that I had in my life. I still have it. But growing up in a family of both of my parents being divorced five times apiece, in abuse of all different kinds, people say, oh, I love you, Michael, I love you. You don't love me. But then someone told me about Christ's love and how he died on a cross for me. Growing up, that was it. That was seriously all that I had that pushed me to live the way that I lived. I grew up in my entire, from ninth grade to my senior year, no joke, I pretty much lived on my own for four years. In those four years, I could have done whatever I wanted to. You guys are like, that would be so awesome. Not to have my parents around, never get in trouble. I don't have to clean my room, have, have parties all the time, have girls over. It really is not, it was not that awesome. It was actually pretty sad. All my basketball games that I had and different sporting events that I did, no one really came to watch. I got home from school and nobody was there. You wake up and nobody was there. It was pretty hard. And somehow, some way, I didn't have parties at my house. I didn't bring girls over. My parents weren't Christians, so they supplied different things so that if I wanted to do anything I wanted to, they would say, hey, we'll, we'll buy you whatever you want. If you want to have parties or you want to have girls over, just let us know. Don't sneak around, so we'll just buy that for you. I didn't have parties. I didn't do any of that. And I'm not saying, hey, I'm bragging on myself, but I'm just letting you know the only reason that those things did not happen was not because I just, you know, didn't want to get in trouble. It was because of Christ's love that somebody told me about, and it compelled me, and it pushed me to not do those things. It was all that I had. Because someone took the time to invite me somewhere and have my life changed. And I heard about his love and it seriously changed my life. And I joined a youth group in Dallas. And that was one of the best decisions I've ever made. And his love compelled me. It compelled me. And then you notice the end of that, it says, because we're convinced that one died for all. It says, Jesus died for everybody, and therefore all died. And so because he died, and when you accept him into your heart, we all die. You die to yourself. You die to everything. You just sang a song that Meredith, that Meredith just so beautifully sang. All about surrender. Said, I found my life when I laid it down. That's what she sang. You sang it too. I heard you. It was really good. It was awesome. But did you find your life when you laid it down? Did you really die when you accepted Christ in your heart? Because when you accept Christ in your heart, the old you, everything about you is gone, which we're going to read in a second. It's gone. Because he died 
when you accept Christ, you die. And that's why you have a new life in him. In verse 15, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. And he died for all that those who live shall no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. There's a big word in there, themselves, no longer live for themselves. Because when you've accepted Christ into your heart, the things that you desire and the things that you do and the things that you want and the needs that you need met are no longer no longer important. It's no longer about you anymore. Catch this, students. It's no longer about you anymore when you've accepted Christ. People are like, oh, I don't want to come to your church because that church, this, 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 this. I've heard it all. I mean, I have heard, I've heard it all. Been doing this joker 12 years. It's not long enough. It's a pretty long time. And I've heard all sorts of reasons why people don't want to come to church. Well, I just don't like the worship. Well, I just don't like the teaching. Well, I just don't like the lights. Well, I just don't like that you're going to tell about Jesus and wear shorts and Nike shoes. And I don't think that, da, 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 and I'm just not meeting my needs and this need and I have this need and you're not doing it. And there's nothing for my kids and this kid and I don't think this, 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 this. Well, here's the deal, persons, people, morons. Here's the, here's the thing. First off, back off the shorts, okay? That's weird. Who cares? Jesus wore robes. You gotta wear jeans. Where, huh? What's that in the Bible? Second thing, if you don't like the music, it's not about you. If you don't like the preaching, it's not about you. If your needs aren't met, they were already met on the cross. Right here, it says, you're no longer living for themselves. Jesus Christ died to set you free. Jesus died to set you free. Just so you understand, people with needs, your needs have been met when Jesus died on the cross and rose again. I don't know what else you need. Because that's a pretty fantastic thing. When we start worrying about our needs being met, I believe there's two things that happen to us. When you start worrying about, oh, my needs, I, I need this, I need this, I gotta, I'm going to go to this because they do this. and <laughs> Here's two things. When you shut your mouth and start realizing that your needs were already met on the cross, here's what two things happen. In my opinion, I could be wrong, in my opinion, number one, it changes who we are as a person. When you start worrying about your needs and you realize that your needs were met, it changes you as a person. And it changes how we see other people. It changes you as a person when you start worrying about your needs. I need, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need, la, 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 la. It changes who we are as a person. It changes how we see others. And if you haven't learned that Jesus Christ has already met your needs, then guess what, Christian? Your needs will never be met. If you didn't learn that, that they've already been met on the cross, then everything you need 
I need that. It's never, you'll never, it's never going to be good enough. You're always going to need more and want more and this and this and this. You're never, ever, ever going to be satisfied. I mean, when I read this and broke this down, this, this got me. I mean, this smoked me as I was studying this. So verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, period. <laughs> oh. If you know him, if you really know him, it says right here, we now, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way. It's saying this, when you look at somebody, what are you thinking about them? What are you saying about them? How are you judging them? It says right here, as Christians, we are not to look at people in a worldly way. It says right here that we used to look at Christ that way. Here's what Paul is saying. Paul, if you didn't know, he used to be the person that didn't like Christ. He used to kill Christians. He used to put them in jail. That was Paul's job. Is he would go around, you love Jesus? Yeah? Okay, follow me to jail. You love him? Okay, kill you. That's what he did. He thought Jesus was a punk, a scrub, and all these other things I could list. That's what Paul thought of him. And then one day, Paul's walking down a road called Straight Street. Pretty cool deal. And Jesus is like, boom! Blinds him. Talks to him. Changes his life. And Paul now writing half the New Testament. Paul looked at Christ in a worldly way. He couldn't stand him. It says right here, we once regarded Christ that way. We did. We, us. Before you were a Christian, who knows what you thought about Christ? Fake, not real, silly, a ghost, I don't know. But it says we used to look at Christ. Used to, used to, used to look at Christ that way. We do so no longer, period. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. One time I was hanging out with somebody, a little meeting, a little run-in. And man, they just, they're like, I forgot how we kind of started talking. But he's like, man, I, I heard about, uh, he heard that I was in ministry. and He's like, gosh, did you hear about that, that church over there? And I'm like, yeah, I did. Yeah. Well, did you, did you hear about the, what, what the youth pastor said? I'm like, no, what he said. Tell me what he said, please. Oh, please tell me what he said. Well, he said, blah, da, 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 da. At that moment, I knew he was talking about me and this church, <laughs> this guy. And I'm like, oh, this is gold. This is great. Yeah, tell me what else he said. Tell me what else he did. Tell me what else you think about him. Well, if I ever meet him, some key words, huge, awesome words. If I ever meet him, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind and let him know what I think. And I think what he's preaching, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, 
<laughs> this could go real bad. Well, you know, that's great. It's me. You may proceed with what you think of me. And the guy was like, I mean, he could have crushed me, okay? He could have, like, like, destroyed me if he wanted to. And I was a little nervous, sweating profusely. As I do, <laughs> but this was a little more. And he's like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I, I shouldn't have said that, man. I, you know what? I heard you're doing a great job over there, though. But da 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 you know, I, I'm, I'm like, that's right. What? You want to you talk more? What's going on, huh? You know, then I start feeling like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, is that how many times have we done that? And we just start talking bad about people. And we start putting them down behind their back or maybe in their face. And we start doing all these things. We're judging them. We, you may even talk bad about other churches and other pastors and other places and other stuff and, and the thing is check this out Christians if I'm if you're listening Christians check this out so from now on we regard no one that way we don't do that he's saying this Christians don't do that The problem is, is that I hear a lot of Christians doing that. Do you know him? Well, I'm just kidding when I, I I'm, <laughs> it's, it's just a joke, dude. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. No one. So when you've accepted Christ, your needs have been met, his love compels you, and you regard nobody in a worldly point of view. Verse 17. Do you know him? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, Meaning, is anybody, have you, if anyone has accepted Christ in their heart, the new creation has come. When you accepted Christ, these things that I just spoke about are gone. When you accepted Christ, it says, the old has gone and the new is here, exclamation point. Exclamation point. Exclamation point. The old is gone. It's gone. You're not talking bad about people. You're not worrying about your needs. His love is the only thing that matters to you. The old has gone. The new is here. When you accepted Christ, did the old you die? When you asked Christ to come into your heart, did you really, 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 really die? 
And it's not about what you profess that you are. A lot of people, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this, 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 this. It's not about what you profess, it's what you are. Like, like you can say I'm a Christian, and that doesn't get you to heaven. I'm a Christian. Then you act like hell the rest of the week. I'm a Christian. And you look nothing like the Jesus that I worship on a daily basis. I'm a Christian. And you're the biggest gossip. And you're the biggest jerk at your lunch table. I'm a Christian. And you've never told anybody else about the Jesus that changed your life. I'm a Christian. And you keep living the same way you've been living when you weren't a Christian. Do you know him? Do you know him? I didn't write this. Like, like you're like, man, you're a jerk, dude. Yeah, okay. I didn't write this. You think they'd ask me to write in the Bible? <laughs> yeah, right. It'd be hilarious. But I, I didn't write this. A dude named Paul wrote this who had his life changed and did everything he could so that the old Paul, who used to go after people that love Jesus, so that the old Paul... All that would be gone. And so that he could have his life forever changed. He had his life forever changed. And now is following Christ, was following Christ with everything that he had. And wanted us to know what it's like to be awakened. Because when you accept Christ in your life, you change. You change. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The new creation has come. It's a great symbol of what we do after you accept Christ. We do a thing called baptism. This is a great, beautiful picture of it right here. You go down under the water. The old you is gone under the water. The new you is here. That's, that's the symbol of baptism. The old you is gone. To walk, whenever we baptize you, we say to walk in the newness of life. That's what we say whenever we, we do the whole baptism thing. Bear with Christ to death, walk in the newness of life. That's what we say to you. So we said to so, how many of y'all have been baptized here? You've been baptized here before. Okay, keep your hands up, keep your hands up, keep your hands up. Are you walking in the newness of life right now? Think about it for a second, think about it. The old you, keep your hands up, keep your hands up. The old you is gone, it's gone, it's gone, it's gone, it's gone. It's gone. Now you should be walking in the newness of life. Are you doing that? You put your hands down. Are you doing that? Is that happening? You're like, it's not. Maybe right now you're like, I am like horrible. I'm, a, I'm the worst human in the history of humans. Actually, you're not. Paul would say he is. <laughs> he would say he's the worst. He said he's king of sinners. So you're not. But it takes sometimes whenever we dissect the word of God for God to speak to us because this is his word and this is how he talks to us for us to realize that we need to wake up and there's some areas that we need to work on because you know it. 
And so there may be some things tonight that you need to get rid of. And some things that you realize this has to die in my life so I can truly walk in the newness of life. Because you know him. Now we've got to live with him and walk with him. And maybe right now you're in this room and you don't know him. Maybe you're in this room right now and you're like, dude, everything you said is me and I don't know him. And I'm not a Christian. I've never had him into my life. I've been kind of faking for a while, maybe a long time. And let me tell you something as you're looking at me still. Let me just tell you guys something. The old you can seriously be gone forever because once you say, I want Jesus in my life, he takes all that crap and all that junk. He said crap. I did. That's what it is. He takes all of that stuff in our life, all of that sin, and he washes it clean. He washes it clean. You don't have to live in that junk anymore and feeling all these, God, hey, ah. He takes it and washes you clean so you can walk in the newness of life. And tonight, I want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ into your heart and have your life forever changed.